Our call to worship is from Psalm 66. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Praise our God, O people. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Praise our God, O people. Let the sound of Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to you, to your name. Praise our God, O people, the sound of his praise be. And see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me.
Let us pray. Father, we ask this morning that you lift our hearts to you, that you fill our mouths with words of praise for who you are and what you have done. Lord, for some of us, our eyes have grown heavy as we look at our city, our country, and the world and see the pain and suffering and ask how long. We are filled with doubt and worry as we look with helplessness upon the wars machinations, uh, elections uh, that shape our world. For others, our hearts have grown hard as we are distracted by the fleeting pleasures of this world and as we give ourselves over to fulfilling our own desires and ambitions. There are so many things, Lord, that draw us away from who you created us to be, from the life that you desire for each and every one of us. Life with you, life in you. So this morning, let us rest in your presence, you who rides through the deserts and goes before his people in the wilderness, you who are father of the fatherless and protector of widows. Blessed are you, Lord, who daily bears us up. By your spirit, renew and restore us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, children are dismissed for Children's Church. Just as a reminder, they'll be staying for the, remain for the remainder of the service. not continue with the time of confession. We'll first do so corporately um, through song and then have a time for silent personal confession. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red, as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Gracious and gentle Father, we confess to you the sins that we continue to struggle with even after confessing them to you time and time again. Give us hope and perseverance, we pray through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our song of confession is a conversation between the believer and his soul, so we'll sing the part of the believer, and we invite you to sing the part of the soul, which is in bold.
take a moment for a silent personal confession. Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, that you do not deal with us according to our sins, but that you show compassion to those who call upon your name. We thank you for this most generous and unfathomable gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Um, as we have been welcomed, let us welcome one another. He speaks by Jesus' blood, erasing his sons of God. Justice satisfied indeed, Christ has full atonement made. Jesus' blood speaks out and sweet. 
She must and shall go free. All her debts were cast on me, and she must and shall go free. Peace of conscience, peace with God. We obtain through Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood speaks all in rest. We believe and we are blessed. We believe and we are blessed. All her debts were cast on me, and she must and shall go free. All her debts were cast on me, and she must and shall go free. Should the He speaks by Jesus' blood, hear and sing, ye sons of God. Justice satisfied indeed, Christ has full atonement made. Christ has full atonement made. All her debts were cast on me, and she must and shall go morning's Old Testament lesson is from Jeremiah 23, 9 through 16. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me, all my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their mind is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness, into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by, ba by Baal and led my people Israel astray. 
But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. Today's New Testament lesson comes from 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be here to worship with you this morning, and uh, thankful for a chance to look at God's Word together. Thank you, Anna, for reading. Uh, as you'll see in the order of worship, we've been uh, doing a sermon series during uh, the season of Easter Tide, a time between Easter and Pentecost, where we look at the second part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so today and, and next Sunday, we'll look at the conclusion of that sermon. Um, and this is in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew's Gospel. That's where the Sermon on the Mount is found. And as I've mentioned a few other times, but the, the way that the, the sermon begins, uh, Matthew says that they're seeing the great crowds, seeing the great crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. We've been asking at the opening of the sermons, what sets the disciples apart from the crowd? And we're told that when Jesus sat down, which means he took the, the cultural posture of a teacher when he does this, the, the, his disciples are the ones who draw near, the ones who come ready to listen. And as we think about this characteristic, um, I suggest that it's not that some people listen and some people do not. Uh, we all listen. We all give our attention to someone or something. And so the question that we have in our mind as we, as we come to the sermon passages is, is not, it's not, do you listen? But rather, the, the, the question is, you know, who are you listening to? To who or what do you direct your attention? And as the sermon comes to a close, as we look today and next Sunday, Jesus uses challenging words, words that are hard. And I think he does this in order to bring things to a sharp focus. This theme that's been running throughout, asking, you know, who do you listen to? Who or what do you draw near to? In order for help us to, to think about this and help us to decide, Jesus ends his message with a set of warnings. And in these warnings, we'll see he uses contrasts to help us choose well, to invite us to choose the things that give life 
when we draw near to them. We'll hear in just a moment as I read that there are two gates, one gate that's wide and the other that's narrow. Enter by the narrow one brings you life. We'll hear that there are false teachers and there's true teachers. Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful who you give your attention to and where they lead you. Ultimately, these warnings and these contrasts, these challenging words, like the rest of the sermon, invite all of us, all of us, to give our attention to Jesus, the risen one, the one who has overcome, the one who has words of life and words of truth. So let's look at our passage. This is from Matthew 7, verse 13 through 23. It's printed in your order of worship. You can follow there or in your Bible. This is Jesus teaching. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, our passage has warnings, and there's two main warnings that I want us to think about here, here this morning. The first one is make sure you get through the gate that leads to life. And the second warning is watch out for people who will lead you astray. So let's start with this first one, the make sure you get through the gate that leads to life. I went to a Cubs game earlier this week against the Cardinals. Unfortunately, the Cubs, or it depends on who you cheer for, but the Cubs lost that game. And I was there with 32,000 of my neighbors, according to the scoreboard you know, attendance game. And as I arrived, as you, if maybe you've been, you know, there's lots of things happening around the stadium. And, and all you have to do you know, is, is get in line and, and go through any one of the gates. Any gate will take you in to the game, to your seat. Any game will take you to the concession stand to get a hot dog, a soft pretzel, a nacho. Get any line, get any gate. But I want us to, as we can picture that, that Jesus says something different. It's not get in any line, come in any gate you can. Jesus says something different. Enter by the narrow gate. He doesn't have Wrigley Field in mind, but he ha he's inviting us to picture a, a kind of a great walled city in the ancient world. Enter by the narrow gate. In this city, there are two ways, hard and easy. You can enter by two gates, one that's broad and one that's narrow. Walk, walk by two crowds, large and small, and ending in two different destinations. 
destruction and life. Jesus warns, make sure you go through the gate that leads to life. So we, we can ask, you know, what is he saying to us today? The kingdom of God, the, the place of life and reconciliation, isn't a destination that you simply arrive at. I think what Jesus is inviting us to think about is, it's, if this is where you, you desire to arrive, you can't just go with the flow or Pick any line. Allow the crowd to set the pace or the direction. You have to seek the narrow gate. If you just drift with the crowd, you'll miss it. See, Jesus is suggesting to us as we kind of think about our own lives, our own hearts, that there's something natural for humans. There, There is a way in which we can go and walk that does not require us to learn or to cultivate or to choose There is a way in which no effort is required to follow it. There are two gates, and it's easy to get in and walk on the wide path. For on this path, we we need to leave nothing behind. Not even our natural tendencies, our destructive ways, our mistreatment of others. We don't have to leave behind on the, on the wide path our self-righteousness or our pride or our greed. We don't have to learn or cultivate such a walk. If we go back to the image of the walled city, it's as if Jesus is inviting us to think that there are some gates that look good or seem like good choices feel like this gate will, you know, get me where I want to go or this is where other people are going. But we need to be careful because not all gates lead to life. To try to think about that, throughout the, the sermon, Jesus has been using contrast or comparisons to help us try to think about how we want to live or how we can see. And so, for example, he says, don't be like the Pharisees, these kind of religious leaders Don't settle for a religion that's about appearance or self-righteous rule-keeping. To follow the image that the gate, the gate of reputation might look good, but it does not lead to life. Don't be like the tax collectors who love those who love them and, and hate those who hate them. The gate of keeping score or acting with revenge, might feel good, but it does not lead to life. Jesus says also, don't be like the Gentiles, those who don't know the God of Israel. Don't be like the Gentiles who run after what they will eat or drink or wear. For the gate of abundance and the gate of wealth promises much, but it does not lead to life. Make sure you get through the gate that leads to life. We need to look in order to find it. We need to seek. We even need to ask for guidance. And Jesus describes this way as hard. As hard. And we can ask, you know, why? And maybe there's a couple things that we can notice to think about. The way is described as hard because it's the way that's been revealed in God's word and embodied in God's son, meaning that revelation 
says that the path is not wherever I kind of find myself or wherever I decide to go, but rather the path has been declared to us. It's been set before us. And by nature, it is limiting. Entering the gate and walking the narrow way, we must, as Jesus says elsewhere, deny ourselves and seek first the kingdom of God. We must believe behind our selfishness, our ambitions, our coveting, and even reprioritize how we think of good things such as family, friends, and work. So one part of this being hard is it's not that we just find our own way, but that God has revealed what is true and good. Another thing to observe or think about is that this gate that's narrow highlights a theme that runs throughout the New Testament, a theme that we might describe as reversal. Reversal. Jesus says those who want to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life, for my sake, will find it. Paul writes, I've been crucified in Christ, and therefore I live. Also, he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord. And it's in being a prisoner to Christ that he finds freedom and new life and new identity. This New Testament theme of reversal that tells us we find ourselves by giving ourselves away. That through sacrifice, we discover the gift of an identity that lasts. And it's only when we lose ourselves that we find life. And such reversals, this hard way, invites us into the mystery of how to be a human. Into the wonder of what it means to be alive. As we think about this reversal, we can note, especially in our passage, that Jesus, the one who speaks here of the way of life being hard is the same one that also says, come to me all who are weary and tired. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We might ask, how does this fit together? And what I want us to to feel and and, and see that how Jesus is inviting us is that the heart of this narrow gate and path is the affirmation of our profound need. An affirmation about the reality of our limits. The confession that we need grace and we need guidance. We need God's power at work in our life. That the path is not for the perfect or the self-sufficient, that's not what Jesus is saying, but it's for sinners who confess their need and sin before God and seek God to be the one who rescues them. See, the narrow gate is a call day by day to not walk in ourselves, but embrace our yoke with Jesus, that we'd walk with him. That we're not alone, that each day starts that by us saying, Lord, help Lord, thank you that you have come to me, faced my sin, my hurt, and my death, and risen to new life. That you have overcome all things, and in you I am accepted and declared a child of God. I'm united to you, and nothing can separate me from you. That this is my life and identity. You see, at 
when Jesus uses the image of the narrow gate, we can ask, what is, what is this gate? And Jesus has told us that it's him. Elsewhere, he says, I am the door. And if you enter through me, you shall have everlasting life. So the call to enter the narrow gate is, is not a call for us to somehow find strength that we didn't know we had. Rather, it's a call to submit our life and put our faith beyond ourselves into the living God revealed in Christ. There are two gates. Jesus warns us to enter by the one that leads to life. Well, there's a second warning as well. Not only is it to find the narrow gate that leads to life, but also he says, watch out for people who lead you astray, who lead you off of the true road. In the image of the two gates, Jesus calls us to choose the way of life. And here Jesus speaks of a warning of false guides, guides who lead us in a wrong way. He says, beware. Do you notice, beware of false prophets that one might appear as a sheep, but really be a wolf. One may claim to speak truth, to be helpful, to know the right way, to promise good guidance, but ultimately lead us astray. And as we heard Anna read, a a false prophet in ancient Israel was was described as one who said they spoke for God, but did not do so. That Jeremiah said that there are some prophets, some teachers, who give visions of their own minds. But that true guides are those who stand in the counsel of the Lord and speak his word to his people. Beware, Jesus says. Beware, if you receive poor directions, you will not arrive at your desired location. And what I want us to, to focus on in this second warning is the test that Jesus says. You know, how do we know? How do we know who a good guide is? And he invites us to picture two trees, two trees that produce two different types of fruit. You'll recognize the teachers, whether they are helpful or not, by looking at their lives. When I was growing up, my grandmother on my mother's side lived in Arizona, in Sun City, Arizona. And uh, we went there pretty often or whenever we could. And uh, what I, one of the things I remember is that she had an orange tree in her backyard, which seemed just amazing, right? There's an orange tree right outside the back door. And it was exciting in the morning that it could go out and it smelled wonderful. And uh, she would you know, let you pick out an orange off the tree that we could either eat the orange or make orange juice for, for the breakfast. And it was delightful. <laughs> Different from where I'd grown up in Pennsylvania or in Cincinnati. And Jesus is inviting us to picture a tree like that, one that is full of life and fruit that nourishes us. He asks, you know, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Or do figs come from thistles? Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. See, Jesus is saying to us, look, this image, as we picture in our mind, look at the guide that you're listening to, the one that you are drawn to listen to. Look at this person's life. How do they live? How do they treat others? How do they relate to God's word? How do they encourage you to live? Look at the tree, the guide's life. Can you see healthy, tasty fruit? Does it nourish? Or we might ask even, does the tree 
fit with what Jesus is teaching here in his sermon. Drawing back from the other chapters, Jesus speaks of reverence for God's commands. Controlling anger instead of hating others with our words or in our hearts. He speaks of honoring God and others through controlling our sexual desires, our lust, and practicing marital fidelity. He speaks of keeping our word, of offering forgiveness instead of revenge, of extending generosity not just to one's friends but even to one's enemies, and to commit to the kingdom of God and righteousness over even the pursuit of wealth. Does the person I'm listening to, and I know as I'm speaking here that I'm inviting you to listen to me, so this is a daunting thing to say. Does the person I'm listening to speak with anger or act with lust or greed? Does they teach in a way that's disrespectful to humans made in the image of God? Or is your guide patient and kind, loving and faithful, gentle, marked with peace and self-control? And we can make a couple observations as we hear this test that Jesus gives. One is that the questions that he invites us to ask might be different than the ones that we are tempted to ask. We might ask of someone who's teaching or guiding, is he one of us? Does she belong to my party? Is he part of my group or my tradition? Do I like what he or she is saying? We might be tempted to ask those questions, but Jesus invites us to a different set. Look at the person's life. Does it reflect the things that I invite you to live and do? And the second thing that we can note is if we're honest, Jesus' words here test us as well. As I mentioned, it's humbling to stand and teach a passage such as this. But it's words for us not just to use evaluating others, but it's the one to evaluate ourselves. Do we honor God only with our lips? Or are we seeking to love God with all of our being and to love our neighbors as ourselves? Well, as Jesus is the true gate, the image of the two trees invites us to see that he is the true tree. He is the good producing, the good fruit producing tree. He is the image of the invisible God. If we want to know what it means to be a human, he is the one that we are to look to. And it's only when we're connected to Jesus, the true tree, that we too may bear good fruit. And that's how he closes this section of warnings, reminding us that false prophets might produce all sorts of powerful displays, great messages, effective healings, miracles, things that are beyond what it seems possible. But he says that great efforts and great accomplishments, wonders, are not the fundamental criteria. As one author writes, what counts is something deeper and something much more personal. It's personal contact with the true gate and the true tree. 
We often seek to find our own ways to live in our own strength. And Jesus here invites us not to cling to what we can accomplish or what we can do or what our resume might say, but cling to the one who is the gate to life and the one who brings forth fruit that nourishes and is full of life. Let us hear these warnings. Let us ask again, who is it that I listen to? Not do I listen, but who do I listen to? Who or what do I draw near to? For Jesus is offering himself as the risen one who has overcome all things, as the true gate, as a true source of life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and that you are good to us, even speaking words that challenge us to think about our life and to ask where it is we're headed. So by your spirit, Lord, help us to see ourselves in new ways and help us to find our rest and hope in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us and we'll sing together.
Lord be with you and also with you. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your heart. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord. God, at your command, all things came to be, and you continue to sustain all things by your power. Yet you are near to us, though we have rebelled against you. Your mercy never fails, and you have promised that nothing can separate us from your love. Therefore, with joy, we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. seated. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. In our passage, Jesus invites us to think about a test, to to look at the fruit that a tree bears. And I guess I want us to to think about that as as we come to this table, to ask, you know, what is our God like? What is our God like? Well, this table helps us answer that or see that our God is one who welcomes sinners home who goes and finds those who are lost and brings them in, who takes those who are by themselves alone and calls them sons and daughters. God does this gracious work through the broken body and shed blood of Christ. For who is our God? Our God is one who knows the pain of this life. He knows what it is to be overcome and to face the darkness. For he entered such things, his body broken, his blood shed that we might have a place at the family meal of God's family. This is who our God is. And therefore, he is worthy of our life and our praise and our trust. This table is set out for us to come in faith. If if you know of your need, instead of seeking out your own resources or other gates, and you have put your faith in Christ for that need, then come and eat and drink. God has given this gift to you. If you're not a follower of Christ, we're, we're glad that you're here And this table is a witness and an invitation to speak into that question of who is God and and where is the path of life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table. And I pray, Lord, that you set apart this bread and cup and that by your spirit you would meet us, that you strengthen us and nourish us, that we may walk not in our own power, but in the power that comes from you. We thank you, Lord, that you receive us in honesty, granting grace to sinners hope to those who in despair, new beginnings, 
And so we give you thanks for this, this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle to receive the bread and the cup, and then you can go back to your seats on the side. And if you're able, I ask that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion today, I'd still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward. Let us come and receive the gifts that God gives to his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. I invite you to stand that we can respond to this table of grace with prayer and song as God's people. Lord, you proclaim from the throne, behold, I am making all things new. The words are trustworthy and true. Let us rejoice in this hope as we proclaim the mystery of faith. see in your order we have a, an update from one of our mission partners we're very thankful um, that we can work with a number of different ministries here in the city and, and beyond and so I want to invite Justin Block to come forward Justin's the executive director of the Lincoln Square Friendship Center which is up on Lawrence uh, we've had a relationship with the Friendship Center since it began that location and so we're very thankful for the work that Justin's doing and and all the different volunteers and, and staff um, you'll see in here if you have questions or want to get involved yourself obviously you can talk to Justin uh, but Anna Worley also helps coordinate volunteering, um, so talk to her as well. But Justin, coming up, thank you for your time and joining us. Hey, everybody. Um, thank you, Pastor Chad, and everybody for the invitation and the opportunity to come and share an update with you all. Um, I'm Justin Block, as Pastor Chad mentioned. I'm the executive director of the Friendship Center. For those of you who don't know, um, we are located on Lawrence Avenue, right opposite Gross Park, and right by um, Harvest Time Foods, right in that little area where they're doing a bunch of construction right now, so you're probably driving past it and not even seeing it, and that's okay. Um, it'll look beautiful once it's done, so I'm told, um, but uh, whenever that happens. But um, uh, as Pastor Chad mentioned, you all have been a longtime partner, um, and I just wanted to come and not only express my gratitude for that longtime partnership, and uh, recently, uh, y'all um, funded the purchase of a, um, a new uh, commercial gas range last year, which uh, hopefully you saw the, the update. We've been able to serve so many more people because of your generosity, so I wanted to thank you for that as well. But also wanted to provide an update uh, for where we are this year and sort of the challenge that remains ahead of us um, and what we're doing to kind of uh, um, traverse that gap to kind of get us there. Um, so uh, let's see, where can I start? So this year, uh, I was just looking at some numbers this morning. Through the end of April, we are up 65% versus where we are the same period last year. So the numbers are continuing to, I'll hesitate to use, this, use the word skyrocket, but they are increasing dramatically. And uh, the same period versus 2021, we're more than double. So we are, uh, are the people, the number of folks that we're serving, the number of neighbors facing hunger that are coming into the Friendship Center, growing at over a 50% rate year over year. And that's gonna continue, I'm sure, through the end of this year as those emergency SNAP benefits have um, uh, sunset 
and then also too as we are doing a better job of reaching out in the community and making our making our um, services uh, known to folks who might be at risk of facing hunger. So I think um, sort of both of those levers are sort of being pushed and pulled in their various ways to bring people in, which I think is a good thing because I don't know that we've ever really um, done as good a job as we could do to meet the need in our community. So on the one hand, I hate to say that we're serving you know, 50% more, 60% more people than, than prior years. On the other hand, it's kind of a good thing because those people were probably out there and in need of us and uh, just didn't know how to connect with us. So, so um, sort of it cuts both ways there. Um, uh, and so uh, in this moment in time, like I said, and I know a lot of folks, uh, I see some familiar faces, and so people are coming out to volunteer, which is awesome. Um, you can volunteer uh, any day of the week. You know, Wednesdays I know has been hist uh, uh, traditionally a day that folks uh, from this congregation come out, but you know, as those uh, numbers continue to grow, the need for volunteers is there as well. We're also thinking about increasing our staff. Those who uh, know our operations team, Karen, Alex, and Seth, our, our van driver, um, you know, those folks are kind of getting at their limit, right? When I think about all that um, uh, uh, strong growth. And so we're thinking about adding to our team. So the Friendship Center continues to grow to meet the need. Um, and we are just looking forward to doing more uh, in, in partnership with you all. Um, one last thing I'll say is that, um, and Anna, I will send you the link so that folks can reach out to you. But um, one of the ways that uh, we sort of um, sustain ourselves with the help of the community is through uh, two events that are put on by, uh, in partnership with uh, Beguile Brewing and Dovetail Brewery. Um, they have uh, one of their, their two breweries, for those who don't know, that are um, neighbors. They're next door neighbors to each other and they're on Ravenswood. Um, kind of like in the Berteau, um, Kyler area. Um, and um, uh, they do one festival in the springtime and one in the fall. One was started in the spring, one in the fall. So one's May Festiversary, and the other's October Festiversary because they're beer nuts. And, um, and so May Festiversary, uh, we, the Friendship Center, runs the gate and we, all of the, the money, the entrance money is donated to the Friendship Center. So that's kind of a big uh, source of revenue for us, each one. Um, and so the ask is, if you all are gonna be in town uh, Memorial Day weekend, and that sounds exciting to you to, to um, come and help out at May Festiversary, um, like I said, Anna, I will send you the link to our sign-up uh, page, um, and then you all can uh, sign up for a shift to help you know, either check IDs or put on a wristband or take five bucks at the door. Um, so with that, um, again, I'll turn it back over to Pastor Chad and thank you all so much for just the continued partnership and fellowship in, in the work that we do. So thank you. Let's uh, also pray for Justin in the Friendship Center. Lord, we give you thanks for uh, what Justin has shared. We, we pray that you would strengthen him and all the staff, that you would give them uh, wisdom and compassion and that they would use their gifts uh, to bless uh, our neighbors. We pray for the center that would be welcoming and a place of great uh, blessing for all who come. And we do think of our neighbors who are food insecure, and we pray that you would make, uh, help them to know that these resources exist, that there is uh, help for them as they face these needs. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Um, we're going to continue uh, through our worship by giving our gifts. Um, so I'm going to invite for the greeters. Um, there is a, a gray basket. You can put your communion cup in, and then there's a silver uh, plate. If you'd like to give a gift, you can do that. Also, if you, want to, if you want to give to the work of the church, you can do it through the church website. There's information in your order. Um, there are black information pads under the center, uh, the, the chair in the center aisle. 
I invite you to pick that up and, and fill it out and pass it down that you can know who you're worshiping with today. And uh, if you're visiting, uh, thanks for joining us. I'd love for you to share your information. We could uh, follow up with you with more information about the church. Um, one a couple of things just to remind is that we have a time of coffee and bagels after the service. So I hope everyone can stay for a time of hospitality. Because of the construction going on at Waters, things move around. But today, it's, it's to my right, out these windows, uh, right next to the turf field. Right next to the turf field, there's going to be a table with bagels and coffee. There's some benches there. So you just make your way through the, the entrance one. Maybe you came in on this side. But right over here, and, and hopefully you can stay after and have a time of some uh, bagels and cream cheese and coffee and get to know each other better. Um, but uh, one last reminder that if we have some announcements. If you're interested in the day of service, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Um, and if you want to learn more about the Friendship Center, please talk to Justin or connect with Anna, and she can tell you more about volunteering. Let's continue giving uh, to the work of God in the church and worshiping in this way. Please stand and join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings Trade in the bread and wine. Let it fortify my bones. It is more than 
God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace.